And another thing And another thing And another thing And another thing Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that continues to set the bar in the world of podcasts. My name is Jody Jenkins. My name is Tony Clement. And we are excited for another wonderful show. And you are fresh back from Panama. Is that correct? Yes, I'm back from Panama after 10 days. It was uh, delightful. The, the weather was cooperative. I got seven rounds of golf in, Jody. I know you'd be appreciative of that. And uh, yeah, but it's always nice to be home in Muskoka. And I noticed from some of the pictures that you posted, I, I said this to you earlier today when we were chatting, but you were like popping up in coffee fields <laughs> and stuff. It was like a Where's Waldo type yeah, of feel. I know, I know. Because I had my Manchester United shirt on. It looks like a Where's Waldo shirt. But uh, no, they, that right up the mountainside where, we, where I was staying, it's a volcano. And of course, it has volcanic soil all the way up the mountainside. And so literally right up to the summit are uh, coffee plants and uh, okay and then people like they hire people once the once the uh once it's harvesting time they hire people literally to trudge up a mountainside uh, picking coffee beans it's just incredible but they're i mean they're everywhere it's it's plus they do some onions uh some potato farming but it's mostly coffee plants onion farming i guess yeah i guess that's a thing yeah yeah well, we got onion we got onion farms in toronto in uh, southern ontario rather so I'm yeah, not a big okay. onion guy. I don't oh, like onions. So okay, well, the coffee. You're you're a coffee guy. You've got Lord True. and Lady Coffee. True, Lord and Lady for all your uh, fresh roast needs. Definitely yeah. check that out. And I, think- I should mention too, Tony, and I know that our guest will probably touch on this, but we have a leadership candidate in my neck of the woods again tonight. Yes, um, Jean Charest will be. Uh, We'll be at our local Boston pizza. I don't know why I'm giving him such a plug. Yeah, you're giving a plug I'm not here. Not supporting him. But <laughs> no. He he actually he actually reached out to the media and he thought it was press worthy. I guess he was going to pay for a pizza with two dollar bills. He thought that was something that would be of interest to the media. So he's paying for a pizza with two dollar bills. Oh, I see. Because he's so old, they still had bills. Of- wow! Right, I'm I'm starting to wonder about your grasp of of my jokes too. But I had I hadn't thought of a two dollar bill in a long time. That's, that's exactly. Good. He's probably like, now look at this. This is the future. Anyway, um, we'll get to that. <laughs> so, I want to thank uh, John Mutton and the team at Municipal Solutions for being our presenting sponsor. Uh, of course, week in week out. They allow us to bring this show to you, and we are so thankful to them. Uh, Tony, I know that you can share a little bit more about what they do at Municipal Solutions. I'd be happy to, Jody. Yes, uh, the Muttonator and the gang, they've been very busy these days with development services and project management. Uh, They are great for development approvals and permit expediting, planning services with municipalities. They're good for engineering services, architectural services. If you have a minor variance or a land severance issue, plus building permits, go to 
municipalsolutions.ca. And then we also want to thank our other sponsor, the Canada Strong and Free Networking Conference, which will take place in Ottawa at the Shaw Centre, May 5th to 7th. 2022. There'll be some excellent speakers, some best practices, some receptions. They've just announced they're going to have a leadership contestants debate on the Thursday night, Jody. So that's going to be very interesting. And you can see the entire schedule at CanadaStrongAndFree.network. And then just a friendly reminder, we are also being broadcast every Saturday morning at 8.30 a.m. at 88.7 Hunters Bay Radio in Muskoka, go to huntersbayradio.com. And last but not least, don't forget to become an annual subscriber to looneypolitics.com. Use the code podcast, get 50% off your annual subscription, and you will get access to shows that you cannot get anywhere else, as well as other great news items. And uh, yeah, so we encourage you to do that, looneypolitics.com. There you go. There you go. And that's a show. No, no, it's not. Yeah, we're I was, not, we're not I was just going to say, I was, I was just going to say that. And that's a show. Actually, I'm trying to think of other Jean Charest zingers that I could throw in there. Yeah, please, so uh, please get those ready because uh, it's going to be pertinent a little bit later in our broadcast. Uh, but I, I do want to uh, introduce our, our very welcome guest, Mr. Uh, the Honorable John Baird. I've known John for 40 plus years, Jody. Uh, wow. and uh, worked with him uh, when we both got into elected politics in the Ontario cabinet and, of course, in Stephen Harper's uh, cabinet in uh, in Canada. And uh, among his positions in the latter, he was uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs. He was government house leader. He was Minister of the Environment, Minister of Transportation, Infrastructure and Communities, and uh, my all-time favorite president of the Treasury Board, because that's something that I did as well. Ladies and gentlemen, the Honorable John Baird. Great to be with you both. Great great to have you. Thanks for joining us. So I've given you, I, uh, this is a kind of a, a startup question, but I've given everybody your past, but maybe uh, just tell folks, what, what are you doing now? What's, uh, what's life post-politics for you these days? I'm a, a senior advisor at uh, the law firm of Bennett and Jones in their public policy and regulatory affairs group. I also advise a few other, uh, a few other companies and sit on a number of boards. So you're keeping busy. Yeah, I've got. Uh, I'm uh, I'm the product of uh, Justin Trudeau's Canada. I can't find a full time job, so I've got to piece together a bunch of part time jobs. Yeah, you're a part of a gig economy. There no, we benefits, go. no benefits. No uh, benefits. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Just trying to scrape by. Well, uh, it's great that you could find time to be on the show. Uh, obviously, one of the reasons uh, we thought of having you on was because one of the uh, one of the biggest stories in the world these days, of course, is what's happening in Ukraine and uh, the invasion by Russia. Just uh, you're obviously a former foreign affairs minister. You've got contacts all over the world, undoubtedly in Ukraine, as well as in Eastern Europe and Western Europe, uh, everywhere, the White House. So give us give us your thoughts. What what are you thinking about what's going on there right now? You know, it's it's in many respects, it's hard to believe that you could see uh, a war over territory in Europe in this century. Uh, it uh, it truly the, the staggered uh, the staggering uh, cost of life, the staggering human misery. Uh, that we're seeing uh, in Ukraine and other parts uh, of the world as a uh, domino effect begins to take place is deeply, deeply disturbing. I mean, the four million people have had to leave their homes. Millions are leaving the uh, the country. Uh, you know, uh, 
hospitals, children's hospitals, uh, residential areas are being deliberately targeted. Uh, this looks a lot like the middle of the last century, not uh, not like the beginning of this uh, century. And, um, you know, at the, at the height of the Cold War, at least the Soviet uh, premier, Soviet uh, president, secretary general had a Politburo that was a check on their power. Uh, but this guy has no check whatsoever on his power. And so he's able to, to uh, move without any uh, opposition or without having to consult uh, anyone. And uh, I think the most uh, disturbing thing for Putin might not be the huge sanctions, but uh, he's in, he's revealed to the world how weak and poorly led uh, the Russian military is. Yeah, that's a real surprise. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, I guess we had this uh, myth mythologizing of the Red Army and then the Russian Army and uh how they could, uh, they were, you know, to be a disciplined force that could uh, take on battles around the world. But it's really, I mean, I think nine of their generals have been uh, shot by sniper, and uh, there's a demor. They seem to be a demoralized uh, force, really. I guess when they were fighting to to preserve, uh, to, to fight off the Nazis and preserve their homeland, they uh, were more effective. But uh, they've been poorly led. They have little logistics capabilities. Uh, you see huge numbers of Russian soldiers, uh, you know, plugging holes in their gas tanks so that their vehicles are immobilized. Uh, morale is very low. And uh, one of the uh, instructive things I saw was Russian troops um, uh, looting a convenience store and they were taking food because they, uh, their logistics system is so poor, they, uh, they are going hungry. Well, wow. uh, and the whole thought that they'd had to bring in foreign fighters from Syria when they have such a gigantic uh, military uh, just on the doorstep of Ukraine, I think says all you need to uh, says all you need to know. There's massive. Obviously, Putin has miscalculated on a number of different fronts, uh, not the least of which is it might even drive two more countries into NATO, uh, Finland and Sweden, which only brings NATO closer to the the borders of uh, Russia. So lots of impacts here. I got to ask you, though, as a former minister of foreign affairs, what are is Canada doing enough? And if not, what more should we be doing? I don't think anyone's doing enough. I mean, how could anyone be doing enough when you look at the the, the tragedy that's going on in uh, in Ukraine? Um, I think first things first. I think it's uh, important that we don't want to escalate this into World War Three. And this is—I don't think World War Three is coming, but uh, this is how world wars begin. So I think the uh, the Biden since the invasion, Biden has been able to keep the alliance together, which is good. I think uh, Canada could have done more uh, with uh, with uh, defensive and offensive weapons. Uh, before uh, the Russian invasion. And certainly I think they can do uh, more now. Um, but uh, they certainly stood as part of the alliance and, uh, and good on them. Now, Gary Keller, your former chief, has been very outspoken. And I've, I've, uh, I've amplified his comments about the Russian embassy in Ottawa. And there's like 85 uh, Russian nationals working in that embassy. No doubt some of them are, are spies. Uh, a number of NATO countries have kicked out uh, members of of their Russian embassy, we haven't done anything. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? You know, this is this is a hard this is a hard one. You know, the uh, the mass public uh, and elites themselves outside of government want people to uh, you know let's throw the book at them, throw them all out of the country. You do want to be able to maintain some type of diplomatic relations to be able to have a, a um, uh, to be able to communicate 
uh, with uh, the government in Moscow, and we want to be able to, and uh, we want them to be able to communicate with us here. So I think uh, it's it's a it's a tight uh, it's a tight balancing act. I mean, certainly uh, you could reduce uh, you could reduce you could kick out a good number of diplomats, and I'd be supportive of that. But it's not the it's not the be all and end all. I think obviously, if there's any people uh, in in Canada who they believe are uh, are uh, engaging in espionage, obviously that was, would be the uh, that would be the easy ones to uh, uh, to declare uh, declare uh, not welcome. Did you ever uh, um, deal with the uh, Russian ambassador when you were minister? Yeah, actually, the former Russian ambassador I had a very good relationship with, yeah. and um, it started to become more complicated when uh, the government in Moscow began to uh, go after gays and lesbians, and uh, then obviously it, uh, it immediately ended when uh, the invasion of Crimea happened, and uh, there was no high-level uh, contact, certainly at a ministerial level, uh, which is unfortunate because it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, th- there was a decent relationship there. Um, Sergei Lavrov, the Russian foreign minister, is probably one of the most intelligent, brilliant foreign ministers uh, uh, in the world in the last 50 years. Obviously, I strongly disagree with uh, just about everything he, uh, right. he uh, advocates, but he's incredibly intelligent and incredibly uh, uh, effective. He knows history well, and uh, he's, uh, he's definitely serving uh, Putin well. I mean, he, he strikes me, Lavrov strikes me as a guy who actually knows something about the rest of the world, whereas Putin in his KGB career uh, never was stationed in the West. I think the closest he came was East Germany or something. So yes. uh, the, at least Lavrov has an understanding about how decisions are made in Washington and elsewhere. Is that is that fair to yeah, say? And, and not just around the world and at the uh, at the UN. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's been uh, foreign minister, I don't know, more than 15 years so in 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 the liberal democracies like Canada and the United States uh you know you uh ministers and cabinet secretaries come and go but uh you know in uh, when there's not a liberal democracy and like in Russia obviously uh, he becomes more and more experienced every day did you ever meet putin yes uh three times truly an evil man um it's uh it's uh, he is very very tough very very aggressive uh, very belligerent um, he's, uh, he's not a good guy. Were you there when, uh, when Stephen Harper famously, uh, uh, shook his hand, but gave him, uh, a, a talking down to at the same time? Yes. He's, he, uh, he went to, uh, extend, Putin went to extend a hand to shake uh, the prime minister's hand. And, uh, he said, I'll shake your hand, but you got to get out of Ukraine. And, uh, they shook hands and Putin says, I'm not in Ukraine. So it's. <laughs> You have to wonder whether there's any value in uh, in any, that type of uh, dialogue. Yeah, no, it's I, I, the last time I saw Putin, I was with uh, Prime Minister Harper in uh, in Vladivostok uh, and uh, at, a, at an international summit, and uh, he's, he Harper set him off, and he uh, called uh, the Prime Minister a Trotskyite, wanting to wage war all across the Americas, and I just shook my head. I think that must be the only time that Stephen Harper has been called a Trotskyite. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's a kind of a vaguely threatening thing to say because we all know what Stalin did to Trotsky. Absolutely. He he very much wants to seize an imperial Russia. He thinks Russia has been humiliated. Um, he thinks the dissolution, dissolution of the uh, Soviet Union was the biggest mistake in the last century. And uh, he wants to rebuild uh, Russian imperialism and Russian glory. And uh, he's obviously prepared to use military force to uh, to do it. Uh, in in uh, putting aside the tragedy of the uh, of the Ukrainian people in the country, um, he's uh, he's perhaps uh, hurt himself greatly. 
not just with the uh, the fact that the uh, Russian military have been seen as so ineffective and weak, but uh, also is that the uh, the pounding that the Russian economy and the Russian people are taking mm-hmm. is demonstrably more effective than I could have ever have hoped. Uh, like closing airspace to uh, Russian planes is a gigantic step that's rarely ever taken, and um, let alone the, the 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 sanctions on his own family, let alone the sanctions on the oligarchs and their family, uh, let alone on uh, on Russian banks. So the uh, the Russian economy will contract significantly, and uh, I don't think it's uh, it's going to get better. It's going to continue to get uh, worse. You know, and uh, I have this pet theory uh, that uh, China isn't all altogether happy <laughs> with uh, what's been going on because I have this I have this image in my mind. You know, right before the Olympics, uh, Putin and Xi were together, and. Putin says to the Chinese president, I, I'm going to invade Ukraine, but don't worry, it's going to be over in 72 hours. It's going to be no big deal. And of course, it's uh, week uh, seven or week eight of this now. And uh, and of course, China has their their new best friend is Russia, but it's not really a good friend to have right now. It's disrupting supply chains. It's uh, It's creating all sorts of tumult in the world. Exactly, and I, I think you know I, I, I see Xi quite different than I see um, than I see Putin. I mean, I think whether it's Prime Minister Harper, Prime Minister Trudeau, President Biden, President Xi, uh, they all get up every morning, and their top priority is, like everyone else, to stay in power. Mm-hmm. But their second priority, and I think this is the case with Xi, is he wants to do good things for the Chinese people and for China. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't think uh, I don't think Putin. Uh, you could say the same thing uh, about him. So I'm going to shift gears for you a little bit uh, because you are a co-chair of the Pierre Polyev leadership campaign. And uh, fair warning to our our listeners, they know this by now, but both Jody and I are supporting Pierre. But I'd love to get your perspective on things. How, how do you think things are going in the leadership? I, I've got to say I've been I've never seen anything like this in my 35 or 40 years uh, being involved in active politics. The size of the crowds that he's getting out are truly stunning. Um, and he's getting them in big cities and small towns. Um, you know, uh, we had to, uh, he had to do, uh, uh, send an MP out to speak to the thousands, thousand people that were in the parking lot that couldn't get into his event in Langley, British Columbia yesterday. He had uh, 14 or 1800 people in, um, in Kelowna, British Columbia on uh, the weekend. He did two events in Toronto with almost a thousand people at them a few weeks back. Uh, we've just never seen anything uh, like this. And there are a lot of people who've never been involved in politics before. Uh, we've, I talked to people that have been involved in the PPC or the NDP even, or even one that was a, had supported the Liberals in the last election, uh, who were deeply angry and frustrated. Uh, a lot of young people that are really responding to his message, uh, where we traditionally haven't done well before. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of multicultural, a lot of new Canadians and multicultural Canadians which is uh, is uh, is exactly where we uh, need to be. Uh, the campaign is going extraordinarily well. Uh, people are responding to his message, uh, and he's not just looking at the polls. He's actually leading uh, leading a freedom agenda, which is uh, tremendously exciting. Yeah, it really feels like lightning in a bottle for Pierre. Um, I, I got to ask. I mean, obviously, uh, you got to you got to put the the horse uh, in front of the cart here. But uh, I think this message, uh, he has a this message of, you know, take back control of your own life. Uh, and he says very forcefully, I'm not running to be in power. I'm running to give power back to you. 
and uh, you know that kind of that kind of thought process. It's really having an impact where I haven't seen this this kind of reaction before. So you're saying the same thing? Absolutely, and you know the freedom agenda. And uh, Pierre is connecting with so many Canadians by going around the mainstream media and speaking directly to them. You know, for example, I'm told that uh, across all of his platforms on uh, social media, in English and in French, more than seven million people saw his uh, announcement video, yeah. which is uh, which is un- like almost unheard of in Canada for any uh, for anyone, let alone a politician. So he's uh, he's being able to uh, to speak directly to people. He's punching through. You know, I, I was a big supporter of uh, of Andrew Shear as our leader and of uh, uh, of Aaron O'Toole as our leader. But they did have a challenge in punching through the mainstream media to get their message out, and that is not a problem Pierre has uh, has had. Jody Jenkins, uh, what have you got to say for our guest? I don't know what to say actually. Without, uh, I don't want to be too mean to Mister Shearay, but I'm just trying to. <laughs> China. I was just actually looking at some social media stuff and it's not even like it's not even like close between Pierre and Sheree as far as engagement. And I'd love to hear, John, if you could I know you talked about the crowds that are coming out, but I, I really feel that he's connecting with the younger audience that is just sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I'm wondering if you can give us a sense of of what you're hearing on the ground and, and like what kind of feedback you know, younger, younger people, like I'm talking like even individuals that, you know, have just be, you know, just been able to drive, get their driver's license. Oh, it's so. even, it's even, at my law firm, uh, one of the partners came out and uh, he was, he didn't go to the rally is uh, 13 and 14 year old sons brought him to the rally. Um, there's uh, uh, there's just uh, a different crowd. You know, when I, when I first got involved in the conservative party 35 or 40 years ago, you know, if you were Roman Catholic or Italian, uh, that was considered being multicultural. Uh, we're seeing huge numbers of Persian Canadians, of Indo Canadians, of Chinese Canadians. We're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of young people. Uh, it's just not the uh, it's not the same old conservative party of the uh, of the past. And you're seeing uh, people have you know obviously been disappointed that we've lost the last three elections. And there's a, a lot of enthusiasm that uh, people think that Pierre can lead the party uh, to a majority government at the next election. No, and there's fatigue, frankly, with uh, there's fatigue, frankly, with the uh, with the current government. And it reminds me of a story Brian Mulroney once said. He said, "Why did I win? People were tired of Trudeau. Uh, why did uh, Kretschia win? People were tired of me." Uh, well, after uh, after five or ten years with you, they get tired, and yeah, uh, I think that's, uh, that's that's probably happening a little bit quicker for uh, for uh, for this current liberal government. Well, we're going to have another three years of them, and so we'll be really good and tired by the end of the uh, NDP uh, Liberal Coalition for sure. Um, last bit here. Uh, lo- any anecdotes you want to share? I-, I sat beside you in the House for many years, and uh, you were one of the great uh, hecklers in the House, but in a-, in a good-natured, fun way, not a mean heckler by any stretch of the imagination. That was just one of your specialties. Any 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 remembrances of being in the House, or uh, you know Stephen Harper, or whatever? Uh, give us give us some recollections. I'm appreciative that you haven't uh, sued me for uh, hurting your eardrum uh, or your your ear. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think I think there's a, there's 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 a lot of room for partisanship and uh, banter in Parliament, um, but it, it should be about the issues and not get personal. Uh, you know, I could uh, I could give uh, you know could go head toe to toe 
with uh, a member of the opposition, be quite aggressive, be a good heckler, keep them in their place, but then, you know, uh, uh, go down and sit beside them uh, after question period to try to, you know, resolve uh, an issue that they had or to listen to a concern that they were raising. And I think too much of it now is, uh, is, is increasingly nasty and personal, which is, uh, which is deeply unfortunate. Yeah. Do you think it's getting worse then? Oh, it's getting worse. No question. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And, it's, and is it social media that's doing it or, or is there some other factor? I think it's social media. Um, I also think that um, uh, it's just, uh, you know, you got to be tough to be successful. Yeah. And uh, that's just a, a reality of the game. And uh, it's, uh, that's, uh, that too is, uh, is unfortunate. You also got to be the, 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 the being intelligent, capable and experienced is important, but you've got to be able to be a good communicator yeah. uh, to be successful uh, today. And uh, I think you would agree, Tony, we sat in cabinet with a, a good number of people that were very experienced, very smart, very capable, but they would, uh, their hands would start to shake when they got up and uh, were facing the mob in the House of Commons or in uh, the legislature. No, uh, 100%, uh, you know, but you're, you're right. I think it's much more emphasized now that you do have to, uh, I'm sure it's part of the, the mandate letters or, or maybe it's just said uh, behind the scenes. But look, if you can't communicate our message, you're not going to be very much use in cabinet for very long. And that's just the and, reality of it. And there's nothing wrong with, um, with uh, pushing the limits on the facts uh, and, uh, and being aggressive on that. But it, it's just gone way out of control where, yeah. uh, where people will just say the most outrageous things that are not in the, uh, that are not, you know, just not true. And uh, that's concerning. And I think that's a problem, frankly, uh, on both sides of the house. Yeah, no, I, I, th- I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And, uh, I, you know, I, I enjoyed the camaraderie and I, I did get along with members on the opposite side. You know, I've, I had a, a long friendship with Dominic LeBlanc that started in university days and carried through to our time in the house. Didn't you get, didn't you get an NDP to ask you a question about zombies once? No, he got, he, he, he gave me heads an hour notice that he, he was, he was going to be asking me personally what the response was going to be if there was an invasion during the zombie apocalypse, uh, what would the oh. government be doing? And uh, that got more, uh, that got more, uh, play than any question I ever got in the 13 and a half years of being a minister. That was Pat Martin, the NDP. Oh, that's Pat, great. Very partisan guy, uh, very ideologically uh, to the left, uh, very, very tough. But actually, we, uh, we actually got along really well and, uh, and worked together and got a lot of things done, particularly when we were a minority. Yeah, no, he's an entertaining guy, uh, and uh, uh, but entertaining, but you're right, tough, but yeah, I had a lot of respect for him. Nathan Cullen is another guy I had a lot of respect for on the NDP, and even Charlie Angus, my nemesis from Northern Ontario. Charlie. <laughs> I will agree with you on, I will agree with you on your first two, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. disagree yeah. on the third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh boy. But anyway, it's uh it is a partisan place, but there is a, there is a there are, there are, I, I would say there's, 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 not more than a handful or two of uh, of uh, people I served with in the House of Commons on the opposition side that uh, that I really had a problem with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, the Liberal leader kept putting those people as my critics, yeah, <laughs> just to get under my skin. Wouldn't hey John? Wouldn't you love to go toe to toe with Mark Garretson though? I I have to be honest with you. Don't know him. No, <laughs> <laughs> he's one of the worst. He's he's from Kingston in the Islands. I he was a former him. mayor, but I worked with his old man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was also a former mayor. Yes, yes well, yes, I know. I worked with uh, Mark in the uh, in the bar scene back in the day when we were in college. They were so bouncers. Yes, so I always I always shake my head every time he's well, acting I'm like only, a fool. I'm, I'm only fifty two, but like Tony, I got uh, I got elected at a very young age. So 
I didn't serve with Mark, but I served with his old man. I didn't serve with Doug Ford, but I served with Doug Ford Sr. And I also served with Aaron O'Toole's uh, father, in John, the, in the, John in the legislature. So uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, sons and daughters of people in politics where I didn't serve with them, but I served with their uh, their parents. I guess. We're, we're, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I guess we're the old guys in the room now. Um, exactly. I was I was going to get a plug in for a local political legend too, uh, John, about Gary Fox. Did you serve with him at all? Oh, I served with Foxy. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. He was a great guy. Yeah. He, homespun, I tell you. He always had a thing to he say. He did not suffer sure. fools gladly. I'll no, tell you. he did not. No, he did not. Hey, I got to say, John Baird, it's been great to have you on the program. Thanks for joining us for our little show and uh, appreciate all the work you're doing for Canada and uh, for the Conservative Party as well. Great to have been with you. Excellent conversation, fun discussion, certainly one of the most entertaining guests we've had on the program. Very, you tell he's out. Well, I mean, he was always the same. I was going to say, you can tell he's been out of politics for a while, but he was kind of that casual conversational guy anyway during his tenure in office. So. Yeah, I I think what you heard is what John Baird is. Uh, he, yeah, he's he's that kind of a guy, and uh, he's conversational, but he also has some substance behind what he's talking about. So I'm glad that he was able to uh, talk about some weighty issues and also have a little bit of reminiscence time. It's so nice talking to politicians that aren't serving anymore because they don't yeah. always have to try and find a way to pivot back to the message, you know? Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's so true. Yeah, no, he, he's, uh, but he's pretty, he's still pretty good. Uh, you know, he he knows what he wants to say. So let's put it that way. So anyway, so yeah, so we will, uh, continue to see what happens with this leadership race and, and we want to promise our listeners we will get we will have leadership candidates on. We, uh, I just have this iron rule that uh, we shouldn't start the invitations. But f- first of all, there's lots of time before <laughs> September 10th, uh, and uh, secondly, let's see see who the candidates are. Not all the people who are are claiming to be running right now are actually going to be on the ballot. So let's. Well, I, took, I think there's zero chance that Sheree comes on the show. Zero chance. Well, we'll see. We're going to we're going to proffer the invitation, and we'll see what happens. And at the there's that debate at that conference, right? Yeah, yeah. That just yeah. got uh, that just got nailed down the, on the Thursday night. There's going to be some some sort. I, I I maybe debate isn't the right word. I don't know what the format is going to be yet, but there will be something where all the leadership candidates will be not all, but most will be there and uh, they, there'll be a chance to uh, to hear them and to mix and mingle. So I think that'll be a, a real plus for the Canada Strong and Free Networking Conference. Well, that'll be uh, an interesting one to watch. So mm-hmm. uh, once again, don't forget this show brought to you each week by the good team at municipalsolutions.ca. Thanks to them for their continued support. Also, don't forget to check out Looney Politics. Dot com become an annual subscriber by using the code podcast to get 50% off your subscription also want to give a big shout out to MNC podcast productions and our show continues to blow up yes 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 and don't forget our coffee mugs and hoodies are available at, at Zeke Agency zekeagency.com just go through the links and you'll find that there and again a little plug for the Canada Strong and Free Network because it's right around the corner now May 5th to 7th go to canadastrongandfree.network so if we go to the you're going to the conference I haven't decided whether or not I'm going but I mean like if we show up there like are we going to have like people hounding us for autographs like are we like we're like are we like big time and 
conservative circles it or could what? Be, it could be a problem, Jody. I, I'm going to have to talk to my entourage to make sure that I've got a little bit of space, you know? Okay. Just making sure. Just making you know, sure. I, I'm sure there'll be lots of people like, oh my gosh, there's Tony and Jody. <laughs> the girls screaming. And, <laughs> That's right. You know, just going crazy. It's to be like the Beatles. It'll be like, you know, us uh, at the Belleville Golf Course. Like it's like it's like the Beatles. Hey, Ringo, look it. <laughs> um, all righty. Well, hey. Tony, guess what? That's a show. That's a show, Jody. It's always <laughs> a pleasure. And we'll uh, we'll be back in seven days, of course. But we want to thank our loyal listeners. It's great to have you. No matter, I, I, we, we were getting feedback that even our banter shows are doing very, very well as well. So we really appreciate people uh, listening to us talk about the issues, even without guests. That's right. All right. We will talk soon. Have a great week. Right on.